This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. And welcome into Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I'm Brandon. That's Michael to my left on YouTube, and that's on your right on your YouTube screen. This is a podcast talking about bourbon and baseball, two of America's greatest things, high proof and high heat. Michael Burns, how are you doing on this fine evening? Doing all right. I uh, had an on-base percentage of 1,000 tonight at my baseball oh, game. Yeah? You guys I, win? We won 17-2. to two. I had oh, two that's... walks, a double, and a single. Yeah. Uh, and that's about what the Cubs are doing to the Reds tonight. And we'll dive into that a little bit later on in our podcast. But this is episode 36 of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. We're starting it out the way we've started out the last several. We go with the best number of the podcast, so this being number 36. Who is the best baseball player to ever wear the number 36? Michael Burns, I can only assume that you have not done any research on this topic. I did, sir. And I you think did? it's going to be, I think it's the, it's a, not much uh, competition here for, for 36. I don't know that it's a real no. popular number. It, it's, a, it's a, I believe, a slam dunk on who this one's going to go to. There have been a lot of people who have worn it for a decade if not longer i think there's just one guy who when you've worn it for 21 years and you have a 90 war you're gonna get it and that's yeah uh, that's it there's only one other guy who's close but uh he was only wearing it for 15 years with an 86.2 war what number are we looking at number 36 yeah, I, I see something different. I've got two guys wearing it for 21 years. Right, right, right. But there's only one guy who's at 90, and then there's an 86.2 war at 15 years. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, i no one, no one I was looking at an order of years rather than yeah, you yeah, looking yeah. at order of war. I'm tracking uh, now. Yeah, there's probably about 20, 25 people who've worn it for a decade plus. There's two guys who've worn it for 21 years. And, of course, I think I'm going to be leaning towards Gaylord Perry at 21 years, a 90 war. Jim Cott is the other guy at 21 years as well. But uh, I was talking about Robin Roberts, not the uh, not the Good Morning America um, host, but the baseball player <laughs> who played for the Phillies. <laughs> Do you know a lot about Gaylord? Gaylord's an older player, not really our generation. Actually, he just died just last year. Um, mm-hmm. Man, what a stud. 60s, 70s, 80s. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Very amazing career. Uh, 90 war. Was Gaylord Perry the spitball guy? I I couldn't tell you a thing about Gaylord Perry. Yeah, yeah. Born in 1938, as Michael just mentioned. He just passed away last December. What are... I just knocked my whiskey all over my keyboard. Did you? How much do you have left? I have. I mean, it's the it's still a pour of it. Okay. Ounce, but <laughs> I spilled half of it. Well, that's that's sad right there. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. But I think Gaylord Perry is probably the slam dunk. 314 career wins, an ERA of 3.11. He had 10 saves to go along with that and 3,534 strikeouts, a career whip of 1.181. Obviously, this was a different era. But uh, yeah, I think Gaylord Perry is the best number 36 out there. He kind of had a little bit of like a Justin Verlander. It looks like he won Cy Young in 1972 
and then had a gap where he didn't finish in the top three for Cy Young. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight years later, he won Cy Young again. So kind of like, you know, Verlander had that little blip in mm-hmm. his career. So 72 he, he won, and then 78 he won. But and those are his only two Cy Youngs. Yeah. yeah, he won it with the uh, the Padres in 78, and his first one came with the Cleveland Indians at the time. He won more than 20 games four times in his career. He led games started in 1970 with 41 games started. That was a whole different era, man. Whole different yeah. era. He had 29 complete games in 1972. Uh, of course, he won in 1972 the Cy Young Award. Um, I think uh, think you got to go to Gaylord Perry in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, no, no, no question. There's no one else closer um, with the war and, and the amount of time he wore it. Other names are Tom Flash Gordon. He was a former pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, is that Tom? The same Tom Gordon? D. Gordon's dad? Uh, yep, pitcher Tom Gordon. I thought he pitched for the Cubs at one point, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did in 2000 and 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, on top, but he did not wear the number 36 with the Cubs. Joe Nathan on the list, a great closer as well. Back in the day with the Giants, Twins, and Rangers. He also pitched yeah. for the Cubs at, late in his career. Another Cub, Gary Matthews. And then Mike Morgan, another Cub. A lot of Cubs on this list. Kevin Tappany, um, as oh, well as Kevin Tyler Tappany. Tyler Clippard and Edwin Jackson, who wore it for 10 seasons. Part of his time was with the Cubs as well. So a lot of players, Edison Volquez, Jeff Weaver, Jared Weaver, and Bobby Witt. Not the Bobby Witt that's currently playing, but I believe his daddy. His Faja. Yeah, his daddy, number 36 um, as well. So... Gaylord Perry episode, episode number 36. Welcome in. If this is the first time you're listening to us, thank you for giving us a listen. We hope you enjoy everything that follows from here on out. We are on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod and Michael Burns. We're now over 600 subscribers on YouTube. Another huge jump. In the last two weeks, we've gone from nearly 400 to 600. So in two weeks, we've nearly got 200 people to subscribe to our podcast. On Instagram, you can find us at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod. TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod and on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or iHeartRadio Podcasts, you can find us wherever you stream your podcast. But also, please do us a favor. Please rate and review our, our podcast. We'd love to hear what you actually think about this thing. DFA us? Give us an all-star? <laughs> please don't DFA us. But if, if that's what you really feel, we'd love to hear your thoughts. What would make this podcast better? What do you love about this podcast? So head on over anywhere. We are 20 out of 25 star reviews on Apple and 14 out of 14 five star reviews on Spotify. So a big thank you to everybody who's already done that. And if you haven't done that already, we'd love for you to do that. So going forward, we are also selling t-shirts. Neither of us have them on right now, but you can find those on our Instagram page or as well as charliemikeneverweekend.com. Our friends over there, charliemikeneverweekend.com, a local business out of Huntsville, Alabama, local to where I used to live with Michael. Uh, I didn't used to live with Michael, but uh, if you listen to a later on podcast, it's going to drop. He called me his wife in last night's recording. So uh, (laughs) some may actually think we did live together, Mike, but we also have glassware. And you're, I think you're drinking out of that glassware tonight. Aren't I'm you not? spilling out of it. Yeah. Right. It's not spill proof. Uh, no, uh, but it, it is a nice wide, wide glass uh, that caused it to not launch out of the glass when it got knocked <laughs> over. It sat in the glass, but here's 
all three options we got. We got the Glen. We got the Tuath. Is that how you say it? The Tuath? I'd say Tuath or Tuath. Tuath and the Wisdom. Both Whiskey Wisdom. Yeah. All right, can even, you hold it up the for the Glen camera? Karen. Can you hold them up even, for the camera? There's the Wisdom, that. the Glen Karen. Even the Glen's a little bit of a fatter Glen a little bit. Sure to get them apple bottom jeans. And yeah, and there's the two with. But you can find that on our link tree, which is in our Instagram bio. Again, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. We've got a bunch of stuff coming down. We can also buy a hat that I'm sporting on YouTube tonight. So go check us Pretty out there. Hat. And if you haven't looked us up on YouTube yet, go do that. We're putting out exclusive content. Home run, our thieve of the day. We haven't really had a huge thieve of the day this week. So we're going to have to do some digging and maybe find one for the later parts of this week. But the thieve of the day is... Basically, the web gem of the day, like they used to have back in the day on Baseball Tonight. So we are a yeah, bourbon man. and baseball podcast. We're going to start with the bourbon this week. And this week, we've got something special. Barrel Crash Spirits. Barrel Bourbon. They sent us Batch 35. So we've done reviews on 33 and 34. I'm excited about this one, bud. Yeah, their latest, the latest and greatest from Barrel. My uh, keyboard is really enjoying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so... <It's> the- <laughs> This is Barrel Batch 36, uh, 35, excuse me. We should have waited. You know what? We should have done this last week. I wish I would have sent it to you last week. We could have done Barrel Batch 35 on episode 35. Uh, on episode 35. We, we missed the boat on this one. So this comes in at 117.5 proof. The age statement on this is six years, but that's because by law, it has to be listed as the youngest juice in the blend. And of course, if you don't know much about Barrel Craft Spirits, they're they're fantastic at blending. Everything they put out really is blending unless you're getting a single barrel from them. But this is a blend of Indiana, Tennessee, and Kentucky bourbon whiskeys. The Indiana bourbons coming in at 6, 7, and 8 years old. The Tennessee bourbons at 7 and 13 years old. And the Kentucky bourbon whiskey comes in at 8 years old. This does come out to a derived mash bill of 78% corn, 18% rye, and 4% malted barley okay okay that's a that was six different whiskeys inside there uh six different whiskeys or at least six differently aged whiskeys uh multi-blend mash of six and seven year old spicy and earthy high rye high proof oak forward barrels so that was part of the indiana whiskeys uh comes together 13 year old barrels with dominant fruit flavors were layered in i'm not going to give you the notes that they're putting here because i do want us to come in with this open mind but uh, i've heard good things on social media and i'm ready to crack into this you've already poured it and spilled it so mikey have you gotten a chance to give that puppy a nose i'm pouring mine right now into my glen karen uh i get a good vanilla on the nose right away now is this one is this one higher proof than the other batches we've done or am i just thinking off so i know vantage is 114 I feel like okay. it's been between 115, 116, 117. This is 117.5. Ooh, it smells good. It smells uh, the vanilla is real strong for me on the I got nose. An earthy vanilla on the nose. Like there's a sweetness to it, but I also can pull some earth. Maybe a little grass or dirt. Is that just from you passed out in the in the front yard earlier? It probably <laughs> probably. It's been a long day. <laughs> um do you, what do you what do you what do you get sweetness wise? Do you get a caramel or a butterscotch out of that? Not like the vanilla, like a sweet vanilla. Yeah, I just I'm I'm getting a lot of vanilla. I mean, the vanilla is covering 
a good bit of this. Yeah, I I'm, I will say I get a little bit of a grassy grassy nose to it. I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to pull out like a fruit here. I can't. It's not like a cherry. It's an almost like a a little bit of mint. I, I think that's like a, overpowering the cherry from me. Like a tropical fruit is what I'm getting out of this. If I'm gonna say right, I'm, fruity, I'm diving in. You're diving in. So Michael's going in. I've got like a vanilla, almost like a mango oh. or tropical fruit coming through on this. That's what I have on the nose. Mm. What do you What do you think? First pour. First pour. I don't know if I was choking on it or it was just a little spicy for me. So I'm gonna have to go for a second for a second sip. But I do maybe get like a honey, like a honeycomb like on, the, on the on the tongue here. I got I got some rye spice and there's some peppery pepperiness to it from but it's not overpowering some cinnamon maybe. so i'm not i'm maybe i am choking a little bit from this from the spice a little bit it did, it did hit me pretty a little hard but i think it, it comes one. at you right away the the first first sip it's really i wouldn't call it the heat but there's definitely a little bit of the heat oh, yeah yeah in the back yeah. end mm-hmm I wouldn't say it's overly hot, but there's some heat to it right away. And then also there's like that rye tingle up front, which really, I think, shocks you the moment it hits. Um, it's got a sweetness to it. I do also have a little bit of cinnamon on the back end. Overall, well-rounded. Uh, I think that this is a good pour. It definitely ramps for me. And the, the beginning is subtle, and then it also it just it gendos up for at the end. Um, with that, it's like a red hot like gum. See, my first sip, I thought it was there was no crescendo. I thought it was really forward, but now on the second sip, it has really yeah. started to build and build Back and end. build, and I can really feel it even after I've swallowed it and after I've really fully taken in the flavor. There's still a lot of a, like you said, a big red or a red hot like tingled to the back end of this on the tongue. Um, I don't think it's overpowering. I think it drinks it drinks hotter than one seventeen. Uh, a little bit. I would that, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, because of that ramp at the end. Um, do you get anything with that ramp? I mean, if I when I first drink it, it's just hot at the end. But now that I let it go and I let it kind of calm down, I am getting some of the oak. Getting, I was I was just about to say the oak. That's I think you get the oak more. In the end of anything, I don't think there's much right. to it up front. It's kind of a drying out, um, kind of get that in the back of the mouth. You know what I'm saying? Where you kind of get yeah, where you're a little bit dry. Um, yeah. So I think that's Is the it rye that earthiness coming through. for you. Maybe you think that I think that's the rye. the rye. Yeah, and and even like a tingling on the outer edge of the tongue, not necessarily right in the middle, but like on the edges. From back so to give, front. Give me your begin to begin to end there, profile. From from the As sip in, to the palate to the finish. I think it comes in sweet, but there's some pepperness right in the middle. Like right away, it comes in sweet. It builds to like a rye pepper, and then it gets like cinnamon spice on the back. At least for me, on the second to third uh, part of the pour, and then as it comes to the finish, the oaky dryness that still has some heat to it. Like it talks to you well after you've taken your, your final sip. What are you taking back and forth for? How, how, how much bite there is to this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really got a lot of bite. It drinks hot. 
Um, and so is that something that turns you off about it? it it's t- kind of taken away from it. It's um, taking it from more of a, like an elegant whore mm-hmm. and kind of dropping it down a level a little bit. So their website lists, Banana Bread on the Nose is com- complemented by a myriad of herbi- herbaceous aromas from the rye grain. An earthiness intensifies on the palate. Bold spice settles down to rich, sweet notes of chocolate milkshake and frosted cinnamon bun. I got the cinnamon. I don't know if I got the cho- chocolate milkshake. Water completely transforms. <laughs> it's a good thing I stopped there, huh? Yep. Uh, water completely <laughs> yeah. transforms the whiskey into a punch bowl of fresh tropical fruits. So I wonder if you added a drop of water to this, if it changes it. I'm sure. I, th- I think it would probably be better if it was just even a little bit lower proof in my mind. I'm going to pour a little bit more and add a drop or two of water just to see if it opens up. But on first blush, on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale, Michael, where do you rate this by, buddy? That bite is a little bit much for me. I, If it wasn't for the, the finish after bite, I'd be DFA in it. If it didn't have that flavor and it was just bite and cinnamon at the end, but like your like the notes just stated a little bit, you get that tropical afterwards, and I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, if I wanted something hot, hot, this is a great thing to grab off in a certain situation, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm going with a bench guy. So Michael's going with a bench. I just added a drop of water. It does change it a little bit. There's still a lot of heat to it to me though. Um, I think it it could be an overpowering heat, but if you're looking for that hot pour mm-hmm. i think this this is really good hot pour there is a lot of complexity to it like we said on yes. the nose there's um and i think barrel crushes it when it comes to going for complexity like they continuously put something out there that's different and has a a different uh, a different feel to it and a different flavor profile i'd say some of their right. other stuff has been sweet others have even look at vantage now that's not fully bourbon but um dovetail mm-hmm that's really it's, sweet it's, it's for good. you. Mm-hmm. I've um, actually come back around to it. When I first got it, I thought it was way too sweet. Mm-hmm. And now it's a pour I enjoy going to. So as a high proofer, I think that this would be a bench to everyday player kind of ranking for me. I think I'm going to have to settle with a bench just because of that overpowering heat on the back end. And I don't think this is something I go to every day. But I do think that this is a great bench player to where when you need to mix something up, this is a great high-proof pour that's going to be packing the different complexities, and it's going to be giving you a little bit of everything that you look for in bourbon, right? You want the oak, you want the caramel and the sweetness, but also if you're looking for a little bit of a rye, I think a rye fan will really enjoy this pour, um, right. especially with the, the pepperiness in the middle of uh, middle of the palate, but... I'm going to go with a bench player, and again, that's not a knock on our barrels and barrels of bourbon and baseball no, absolutely podcast not. rating feel. It's just saying that this isn't something that we're probably going to kill and drain uh, on a daily basis. But it's got its spot on the team. It's got its yeah. spot on the team. I wouldn't mm-hmm. give this to somebody who is newer to bourbon or whiskey because they'll just say, it's so spicy and tastes like <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, um, and you can get some of that. This. Yeah. yeah, build up to it. This is not your first pour of the night kind of deal either, I don't think. And what do you think? I, 
No, no, I would. If you, you, they always say start lower proof and build up. And if you could build up, then that might not have much bite to you. Right. You may have um, already I'm, killed half that tongue. <laughs> I'm going to say that I uh, had, was trying to, I saw it was 117 on the bottle that you sent me. And I had a little pour try, trying to build myself up. And I spilled that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just got the jitters. You're just so happy that you went two for two tonight. I need um, to put it on my just up here on, a, on the ledge <laughs> I have with my major league bourbon uh, coaster, and put it up out of harm's way. But that's why I was I could I couldn't believe I spilled the second one. Yeah. So on our barrels and barrels of bourbon and baseball podcast rating scale, if you're new to us, we rate our whiskey on a baseball related rating scale, and that goes from the top of the top as Hall of Fame. There's only 1% of Hall of Famers, oh, excuse me, only 1% of baseball players make the Hall of Fame, and we haven't even rated a whiskey there yet. That just tells you how hard it is to make that ranking. Then All-Star comes in next. All-Stars are the ones that are the best players on your team. Those are most likely the most coveted bottles you have in your house. Michael always likes to say, those are the ones you only share with your bourbon friends. Right. Those are the ones you only share with bourbon friends, and those are the ones that you start crying as it gets lower and lower. <laughs> And that you don't want to finish it. You hope to have the backup to the backup on those puppies, uh, as those are the ones that you probably covet the most. Everyday player, it's like a baseball player. You've got a lineup. That's the guy that's consistently in your lineup. May not be all-star quality. Think of like a Nico Horner if you're a Cubs fan, uh, or if you're looking at a White Sox fan, probably a Tim Anderson. Now, Tim has made the all-star game, but he's there day in and day out, and he's going to be in your lineup. And he's providing leadership, or he's providing something else. And that's what a bottle uh, that's an everyday player is. That's something you always want on your bourbon shelf or on your whiskey shelf. It's something that once it's gone, you're going to go buy another bottle. Bench, right. which is what we just went with tonight, uh, is is kind of that clutch player in my mind. It's it's the guy that you go to in certain situations. Right. You need a you need a big bomb or something. Chance, you know, big hit in the gap. Uh, you pull up. You call on Nelson Cruz. That's what the the guy does. Come his role is right now. Forty two years old, but still hits home runs. It's that lefty coming out of the bullpen. It's a specialist mm-hmm. guy who you know can get the job done in certain situations. Now, we're both Cubs fans, so I like to always use the like the David Boldy reference. Like, comes in and hits a walk-off grand slam. Or comes in and uh, maybe it's a, a defensive replacement, similar to what Mike Tuckman did the other night with a robbing grand slam versus the Cardinals. And we'll get to that here in just a second. But a bench player is one of those that you want on your shelf, but it's not something you go to every day, uh, just like a bench player in the major leagues. And then finally, Michael mentioned it a little earlier, DFA, Designate for Assignment. That means you're cut off the team, and we don't want you. That's right, sir. We call you into our office, sit you down, and say, we don't want you. <laughs> you didn't make the cut. <laughs> you did not make the cut. So, Michael, uh, we both rated this as a bench. I want to big give a big thank you out to Barrel Craft Spirits for sending this sample over for us to try and give a, uh, a rating. Go check out what Barrel Bourbon's doing. They're crushing everything they've been doing lately. They This just released. Uh, I think it's probably around a price point of 85 to 90 bucks. That's about where the last several have come through. Uh, a very right. good pour. I just don't think that it's something you're going to every day, probably because of the higher proof and a little bit more of the bite at the end. Yeah, if you're looking to venture out, you're going to a liquor store and you want to venture out a little bit and you see that barrel on the shelf, probably can't go wrong with it. 
Right. If you, if you see barrel products, I don't think you can go wrong with anything that you buy. Um, I'm more partial to Batch 33 and Vantage, but uh, whatever it is, go give it a try. So again, Batch 35 of Barrelcraft Spirits Barrel Bourbon. Uh, go give this a check. Uh, go check this out. Maybe go grab a pour at the bar if you see it there, or uh, maybe find a buddy with a pour if you're not so dead set on buying it. But a big thank you once again to Barrelcraft Spirits. So, Michael, we Absolutely. have just done the bourbon portion of our podcast. We transition usually with trivia, and that's what we're going to do this week. This week was a trade deadline. There was a lot of movement, and we're going to have some reactions on that here in a second. But this week's question with the Texas Rangers making a big splash and going after Max Scherzer this past weekend, do you know who the last Texas Rangers starting pitcher was to win a postseason game? Um, let's go with C.J. Wilson. C.J. Wilson. Is that your final answer? My final answer. It's a name that I don't think anybody thought we were going to be saying tonight, but Giovanni Gallardo. Back in 2015, the ALDS Game 1. It's been that long since the Rangers. They haven't been in the playoffs in six years, but the last time a starter won a game was in 2015. 2015. Okay. Was uh, C- was CJ on the team, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I believe look, so. I'll, we'll, we'll look it oh, up yeah? later. So we'll get to the CJ Wilson question here in a second. But So Max Scherzer, as I mentioned, traded to the Texas Rangers as the Mets kind of just sold off. And they're... Kind of the two biggest stories, I think, of the trade deadline is Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander going to two different teams in the same division right there at the top. First blush, what are your thoughts on these two high-priced pitchers getting moved, and what do you think the Mets did with this? Uh, I love that the Houston Astros went and got their guy. They Mm -hmm. paid a price, um, but they went and got their guy. Now they got Verlander at the top. They've got Framber there, Hunter Brown. Christian Javier's coming back. They've got a great one through four. Um, And has McCullers got any chance of pitching this year? I'm not sure. I I, want to say no. That I think he's out for the year. Okay. Well, what do you think about Verlander to Houston? uh, I think that that made sense. Um, He's familiar with the organization. He had success there. Two out of the last three years, uh, he was. Cy Young Award winner, wasn't he? Didn't he win two in a row? Or two out of three there in uh, Houston? I'm not 100% sure on that. But, uh, yes, he's out for the entire 2023 season. Lance McCullers says he had flexor tendon surgery. I think that's uh, – isn't that what um, Kyle Hendricks had? Flexor uh, tendon? Yes. I, I want to so, say yes. He won so I, two Cy Youngs with Houston, yeah, with, with 2019 Houston. and 2022. He finished okay. second in 2018. With to Rick Porcello, I believe, in 2018. Yes. Um, so Verlander to Houston makes a ton of sense. That team needed one more starting pitcher, and they went and got him, and they got probably the best one on the market after Max Scherzer. But I think Verlander is probably having the better year uh, of the bunch, especially in the month of July. I think he had like a 1.75 ERA in the month of July. Verlander pitching like the AC is now – that's going to cost the Houston Astros a lot of money. I wonder if he should have just signed there in the first place in the offseason, but he had to agree to go there because he had a no-trade clause. The other pitcher, Max Scherzer, goes to the Texas Rangers, who paid a price, sending the other Cunha out to the Mets. Um, but what do you think of that move for the Rangers? I like it for the Rangers. They needed pitching. John Gray and Dan Dunning's not going to get it done. Um, they had, uh, nasty Nate going the IL. Mm-hmm. 
I love them that the Mets got Acuna out of it. I don't mm-hmm. think the Texas Rangers were going to trade Jack Light or Kumar Rocker, but how funny would it have been if Kumar Rocker got sent after he got drafted by the Mets and then and, didn't sign. Right, right. So for those of you who don't know, Ronald Acuna's brother was part of the deal uh, from the Texas Rangers to the Mets. So those were the two big main moves and the two big headliners. I think that's what, what's crazy is that's the Mets sending them to play against each other in the AL West, which are both the top two teams. There are half a game separation coming into play today. Uh, and the Rangers blew out the White Sox. I haven't seen how the Astros or the Guardians have gone tonight. But that's a close division. Another team in that division went for it. The Angels, uh, the Mariners kind of just sat on their hands. They made some minor moves here and there. Nothing huge. Uh, and then the other team in that division, the Oakland A's, I don't think that they made a huge move other than sending Maul over to the Reds, the left-handed they pitcher. They traded uh, Fugijoa. Oh, yes, they did. Earlier on, um, last yeah, week. Yeah, it was early, which is not a piece to be excited about. No, um, not a huge piece. I, I don't think that the Angels, after Houston getting Verlander and Texas getting Serger and Jordan Montgomery, I don't think the Angels have it. Giolito came in and pitched tonight. Did you see he gave up a career-high earned runs? Oh, boy. Nine to the, earned runs to the Braves. start. Yep. So Which I guess you could give it to him. It is the Braves, but still, you don't want to see that out of a big pitch you just traded for. Give up nine earned runs. No, and he high. pitched this past weekend against Toronto, and I think he got the loss giving up three earned runs in that. So he hasn't had a great start. Now, Giolito was traded immediately after we had signed off on our podcast last week, so you didn't right. hear about it last week. But he went over with Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox, and then they also went out and grabbed C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick from the Colorado Rockies. So that AL West, uh, I think there are four teams that are trying to go for it. I think the Angels aren't going to have enough juice unless they get Mike Trump back here shortly, which I saw he was taking dry swings the other day. So maybe that's a sign that he could be two or three weeks away potentially of returning. But is that going to be too little too late? And what do they have pitching-wise? I don't I don't think that they've got enough pitching to, to get that done. No, they've got he- guys who are healthy, but it's just like I said about Dane Dunning and John Gray. It's... It's Patrick Sandoval. Um, I'm blanking on the last guy. Tyler Anderson. I don't. Th- it, it's is it, uh, no. I don't think Anderson's there anymore. Is he hurt? Um, uh, oh, Griffin Canning is the guy I'm thinking of. That's yep. He had a pretty Griffin, good game a couple weeks ago, but but you're not gonna win a playoff match against Houston Astros or Texas Rangers. No, not with that. So the AL West going huge. And then another big story is one that kind of didn't really come to fruition. And that was Erod. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had a deal in place with the Dodgers and he vetoed that, which very, um, very surprising, I guess I'd say. What, what do you think of that overall? Um, surprising he didn't want to go to uh, the Dodgers and potentially win a World Series. Um, I guess he sees either A, he loves where he signed that much because he's, he's still got a couple of years on the contract, right? Yeah, so that was the thing. He, uh, he's got a opt-out after this year, but after this year, if he doesn't opt out, it's three years, $49 million. So that's an actually a team-friendly deal for an arm who's probably going to get closer to 15. Uh, um, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's a team-friendly deal, but still, that's, that's 
$16.5 million a year. I think he's probably going to get more in free agency if he does opt out. I did read some stuff earlier today that there's a couple different reasons. His family's in Miami, and he's never played outside of the Eastern time zone with Detroit and Boston. But also, if he gets hurt, and for some reason, because that's the thing, if he were to get hurt, he's not opting out, right? Because you're going to continue to take that guaranteed money. Um, he would be stuck with the Dodgers for three years in that mind. And is it a place he wants to be? I don't know about that. The taxes out in LA are awful as well. And I don't know how much of that played into the fact, but I, I do know that California's probably got the worst tax amongst major league players of any sport. So there's a lot of money that you get taken out of your paycheck as if, it was in Detroit. I don't think that was anywhere close. So that could be a couple of things that maybe kept him kept him in Detroit. I like it for the Tigers. I like it for Detroit. They they're not terrible. No, they're, they're still what, they're not, six and a half game back. Yeah, and they really could retool in the off season and compete for that Central in twenty twenty four. Yeah. So if, if he sticks around, and that's if uh, they may have to restructure that deal to make sure he doesn't opt out, maybe change it to a, a four-year deal at maybe $60 million. So it's still $15 million a year, but he gets an extra year uh, of guaranteed money or something along those lines. I don't know. That'll be an interesting story as we get closer to the end of the season uh, as he has to make that decision of whether he's not going to opt out or not. But the, I'm surprised the Tigers didn't have a backup plan. Right, you would think that they knew he was. He's got a ten-team no-trade clause. Why wouldn't you know that he's got a potential to block this, have a secondary option? And there had to be interest. You know, the Red Sox had to be interested. The, Cubs the Orioles had to have made a call. The Reds, right, the Orioles, the Reds. Oh man, do the Reds look like they should have made a pitching <laughs> deal or what? Yes, they do, and we'll get to that here in a second because the team the Reds are playing. Our Cubs, they made a move. Um, they made a couple minor moves, but one big move is I think they probably went out and got the best bat that was available at the time, uh, Jaimer Candelario. He goes to the Cubs and immediately goes eight for nine in his first two games, and he got on base nine out of ten at-bats. So he's got a 900 on-base percentage in his first ten at-bats, the first two games with the Cubs. He's a former Cub. He came up with the Cubs in 2016 and 2017 before being shipped to Detroit. I believe that was part of the Alex Avila and uh, Justin Wilson deal in 2017. Um, you are correct, sir. So he's back with the Cubs. They, I, I think that's a sneaky good move by Jed. A lot of people were kind of wondering what the hell Jed was doing. But uh, DJ Herves and Kevin Made, or Kevin Maid, both going mm -hmm. over to the Washington Nationals. They were 14 and 16 respective prospects in the Cubs system. Hers was yep. 16th and Made or Maid was 14, but they were both rule five eligible, which means for those of you who are new to baseball or don't understand it, you've got an X amount of years in the minors. I believe it's five or six. And after that, if you're not added to the big league roster on the 40 man roster, you go to what's called the rule five draft pick. And that is a draft of other teams getting a chance to kind of poach players from your system. Yep. It may be a, a player who's dealt with injuries early on in his career and you don't know much about, or he's just been inconsistent. But those two guys either had to be added to the Cubs 40-man roster by the end of the season or go to the Rule 5 draft, which there's a good chance maybe a team or two would have maybe taken a flyer on him. So they were most likely not going to be with the Cubs pass this year anyway. So they got yep. a 
a win-now opportunity with Jamer Candelario, uh, who bolsters that lineup. I mean, it makes it a deeper lineup, and we've seen it here the last two nights. But still, you look at it, uh, he's batting six in the order. He can play first base. He can play third base. He can DH. He's a switch hitter. That's why I thought he was the best hitter on the lineup. And if you remember two weeks ago, or was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I said, I want him on the team now. Don't let him leave oh, Chicago yep. when the Nationals were there. I want him walking yep. across the field coming into this dugout. I think it's two weeks too late. Uh, I still think it has a chance to be impactful, but can you imagine what it would have been like if he was here two weeks ago? No, the, yeah. the He paid the price, so I don't know if the Nationals were the ones waiting it out, mm-hmm. trying to see if they could drive the price up. But, yeah, Jed should have went and got him. It was an obvious hole with an obvious perfect fit. Um, but hey, he's rolling. The Cubs are rolling with him. Yeah. And uh, just perfect timing for him to come in. After we took uh, three or four from St. Louis, now coming to face Cincinnati, he's inserted that lineup, and the Cubs are rolling. Yeah, the Cubs are rolling, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this episode as well. But in the Cubs division, you just mentioned the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cubs beat them three out of four this past weekend. Jack Flaherty, who would be considered probably their ace um, over the last three or four years hasn't pitched like it this year with like a four, four, three ERA. He gets a move to the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles got their pitcher. And I think this could be a good move for both these, the player and the team. I think it gets Flaherty out of potentially a toxic situation. It's a a new shakeup, right? A new, a new team. The what's it called? New environment. Yeah. The new environment. He has the stuff. He's shown it in previous years. What was it, 2019? Uh, I think the Cardinals came storming back um, in that division. And he really is just coming back. He had injury that he's dealt with the last two or three years, I want to say. And so this could be the the, first half of the season could have been a real ramp up of finally being, you know, healthy and -hmm. getting back to his ways, maybe some mechanics changes. Because when you're not fully healthy, it messes with your mechanics a little bit. You adjust it to throw through maybe a little bit of pain, something that's just not right. Yeah. And maybe the Baltimore Orioles are timing this perfectly. Jack Flaherty, like you said, gets out of a toxic environment. I like it. I like it for Baltimore. And I don't think they paid all that much to get a starting pitcher. His strikeouts to walks ratio has gone up in the uh, the month of July. Uh, his second half performance, obviously, hasn't been – he hasn't had a great year, obviously. He's at 4.43 ERA. But in the last 14 days, he's got uh, a much better – batting average against than what he had to start the season. And even in the last month, he's done done pretty well as well. He's been pitching better. I wouldn't say it's been great, but it's been better. And I think he, he adds also some veteran leadership to that rotation, which is probably something that that team didn't have, right? That was the one probably spot that we thought the Orioles could really add to. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. I thought that they'd go and get a bigger and better pitcher, but still, I, I wouldn't say it's too bad. In the month of July, he had a 3.03 ERA in 29 and a two-thirds of an inning. So uh, that's a much better change than the 5.8 and the 5.32 he had in May and June. Yeah, there wasn't, I mean, besides Verlander and Serger, there wasn't, wasn't really a bona fide ace out there because Serger's given up a lot of home runs. Verlander is not. Verlander, I mean, Verlander's in his upper 30s or even 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go get a guy who's, like you said, was pretty good in July and has potential, maybe the Orioles can tweak something, they see something that they think they can make better. I like this over getting Lance Lynn. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I wonder though if they could have probably pulled the Aaron Savali deal that the Tampa Bay Rays got. Um, the Orioles definitely had the prospects for it. Aaron Savali has had the best probably statistics of any of the pitchers that were traded. 77 innings, 2.34 ERA. He goes to the Tampa Bay Rays, um, but they sent out one of their better prospects, the 37th best prospect overall, first baseman to the Guardians in this deal. What did you think of that? I like the move for the Guardians. I really don't think Savali. Savali's controlled for multiple multiple years. I don't think he's any better than what he's doing now, and mm-hmm. he might not even be able to repeat it. He's a number three at best, and this guy, Kyle Manzardo, that, that they got back, they compare him to Vinny Pasquantino, who hits for high average and power. Mm-hmm. So I think great move for the Guardians, who have Josh Bell at first base, or did? Did they, they, did. Did they just they trade They trade him out to Miami. Uh, so the Marlins making a move there. But Savali has been the best Guardians pitcher this year, which tells me that it was more of a sell than a buy for the Guardians because they also sold off Bell and Rosario, uh, Ahmed Rosario. But they got Noah Syngard, who immediately pitched in his first game and then got hurt with a line depth drive comebacker and was removed from his first start with the Guardians. So the Guardians, I'd say, were sellers. The Tampa Bay Rays, they got better with that move, I'd say. They've been dealing with some injury issues within that rotation uh, all year long. It always seems like any every other week there's someone that goes down in that Rays rotation. So that makes them a better team. Um, I think that they're still the second best team in that division behind uh, the Orioles, especially with the Orioles adding. And they're going to get John Means back here soon too. So they're going to get addition without having to trade with Means coming back. I still think Means should be in the bullpen when he comes back because you don't want to have to rely on him too much. But staying in that division, Toronto didn't do a ton. They added Jordan Hicks for the back end of their bullpen. But they also went out and got Paul DeYoung yesterday, and I think that was more so because of the the Bo Bichette news that came down today. He went on the injured list today, but he went out oh, on dude. Monday night with a knee injury. It said to be patellar tendonitis, so it's not terrible, but um, that, that helps that defense, and I think that that's going to make that defense much better in Toronto. Yeah, Paul DeYoung was, was uh, when he first came up with the Cardinals, was a home run. I mean, this was maybe during the juice ball era. Yeah. But Paul DeYoung, I want to say, hit an upper 20, 27 home runs yep. in his uh, rookie season. I think that was the year that uh, Javi Baez went off as well because people were trying to say that DeYoung was the better shortstop. He hit 25 in 2017. He hit 30 in 2019 um, when he was an all-star. Since then, he hasn't really been able to recreate the magic. In 2021, he had 19. Last year, he missed quite a bit of time with injury. He only had six. I uh, had a 157 batting average last year, and in 2021 it was a 197. This year it's not the best batting average, 233 and an on-base percentage of 297. He does have 13 home runs this year. He's driven in 32. I think he is probably going to be an addition just because of the fact that, I mean, you don't know how long Bo is going to be out, but uh, yeah. They needed something, and they got the middle infielder. Uh, I think Whit Merrifield is going to be a big component for that team over the next couple of weeks with Bo out. I forget that Whit Merrifield's on the Blue Jays now. I still just always think of him as a Royal. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a big trade candidate for the Cubs for so long, remember? Yes. 
So then, did anything? What happened? Did the Yankees end up ever making a move? They did. They went out and they got uh, Middleton, one of the relievers from the White Sox, at the oh. end of the deadline, like literally five minutes, and it kind of almost felt like a panic move. Um, like we, we didn't do, do anything. Something. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. Uh, sure, we'll take that guy. They were the last of all the teams to make a move this year. That in the month of July. They had not made a trade from July 1st on until the last five minutes of the deadline, and they were the only team that hadn't. I think now, I think that puts them at last place in that division to end of the year. Judge nope. is not going to get pitched to. Nope. I think the last few games, Judge has three walks in like two of the last three games. Yeah. He, he pitch around him, make somebody else in that lineup. John Carlos Stanton's not doing it. Anthony Rizzo been garbage since he came through uh, early in the season. You, you've been missing multiple components on that team back and forth. And we talked about this in the offseason too. Like we did not think that they had as much depth as a lot of people thought. We we said, okay, cool, you got Aaron Judge, but who else do you have? Because you can't rely on Stanton to ever stay healthy. And other than that, DJ LeMahieu, yeah, but he had a down year last year, and he's he's had a better year this year. But I still wouldn't say that he's a stud on your team. Glaber Torres, okay, you were hoping more from Volpe, um, but he hasn't done what you expected to this year. And Josh Donaldson's been garbage, and he's probably done for the season as well. So the the Yankees haven't added um, anything really than that one arm, and then the Boston Red Sox. I wouldn't say that they didn't anything either. That was kind of a a punting move in a way too. Like, hey, at the last minute, they went out and got Luis Urias from the Brewers. The Brewers. Yeah, the Red Sox are kind of hoping that the guys that get back from injury are the additions later. Yeah, um, with Trevor, Trevor Story. Story. Trevor Story. Um, I want to say they have somebody else coming back because um, I felt like they were they're they're more hoping of their trade. Acquisition is Trevor Story coming back and somebody else. I don't know is, why I can't remember. Is Chris Sale back or is he... now I know that they've lost the last two games against the Mariners. Did you know that the Mariners had this the best record in the month of July amongst AL teams? And they're still in fourth place. Yeah, seventeen and six, and they're still in fourth place. But they played much better the last two nights. I think they've. Pulled out wins versus the Red Sox. They won six to three tonight. No, the Red Sox won on Tuesday, but the Mariners won on Monday. So six and two, uh, and then six to four, and then six to three. So if you scored six runs in that game, in a game, in the Mariners and the Red Sox, you won. So it looks like Tanner, hmm. uh, Tanner, and as well as Corey Kluber are on the IL, Wyatt Mills, Garrett, Garrett yeah, uh, Chris Sales back on the 60 day DL. Uh, and Garrett Whitlock. So, and then Adberto Mondesi, Trevor Story are also on the 60-day DL. Yeah, I uh, see. I don't know how much you can rely on Trevor Story though, because he's probably not going to be able to play the field. I don't. I don't think he's going to be put out shortstop. And that's what they need. Um, Luis Arias, I think he came as a, as a shortstop, but played third base and second base for. The Brewers. Um, the Brewers, yeah. He came up with the Padres, and I think he was the second baseman with the Padres back in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think this year he's hitting 145. He's a negative war player. So I don't yeah. I don't, I don't, don't know what the Red Sox were doing there. That also kind of seemed like a, oh, no, we need to do something kind of deal. Let's go get somebody. And, like, I saw that come across. I was like, okay. Like, 
I don't think this really moves the needle. And I think it shows you what those two teams thought about their teams too. Like they didn't think that they were good enough to compete. So we're not going to, we're not going to buy. Uh, but I'll, also you, you kind of got to sell in that point or at least get rid of some of those expiring contracts at the end of the year. So you're going to get something for them. I, I just kind of weirded out by those two teams. Yeah. Uh, I guess when you're that close to a playoff spot, you can't sell. Right. And even retooling, um, kind of like the Guardians did a little bit. The Guardians still have you pitching. Um, that's retooling compared to what the White Sox and Mets did. Which was completely sell. And the White Blowing Sox up. the White Sox blew it up big time. They sent out two-thirds of their rotation within two days last week with Giolito and Lance Lynn. And Lance Lynn went over to the Dodgers. The Dodgers were mind-blowing, too. They didn't really do a whole lot of... The only team that really, I think, in the NL that's scary is the Braves. And they hadn't played really good baseball since the start of the second half at all outside of the sweep versus the Brewers this past weekend. Yeah, they so, lost two to the Red Sox yeah. out of a two-game series. So... Now, do you feel like maybe... It, we feel like all these teams underwhelmed at the deadline. Was there just a lack of available... High quality players, you think? I think that the teams that sold won because they had the talent to sell, but there wasn't, like you've said, a ton of talent to be sold. Think about the amount of teams that were sellers. If you had the Nationals, the Rockies, the Athletics, and the Royals, but how much of the Athletics roster and how much of the Royals roster had depth on it that you really wanted? I mean, Scott Barlow, sure, and he went to the Padres. Um, and a lot Ryan of fourth place teams. Yeah, and Ryan Yarbrough. Sell. The Cardinals sold um, for the most part. Pirates. They sent Jordan Montgomery, but the Pirates only sold Rich Hill and Castro, really. And Carlos, they, Sant- uh, Carlos Santana. Yeah, that was last week too. Yeah, so he he was sent over to the Brewers, which is kind of weird inside the division. Um, but they they I wouldn't even say completely sold because they could have sent out Mitch Keller, they could have sent out um, David Bednar, but they held on to them. Both controllable assets, but still those are names that were rumored on the market. The White Sox were dangling Dylan Seath out there, but they also traded uh, Jake Berger, which is kind of perplexing because he had five years of control, and he's been a 25-plus home run hitter this year. He's going to hit near 30, if not more. I think he was at 22 or 23 when they shipped him away. he's excited. Yeah, so he's heading to Miami. So is Josh Bell. They get some thump for a team that needed some run scoring. Uh, and the Guardians yeah, the kind of was pathetic. Yeah, the guy, Guardians kind of bought a prospect um, Watson from the Marlins for uh, Josh Bell because they sent Gene Segura up to the Guardians, who immediately was cut the moment he became an active member on the Guardians roster. So the Marlins needed scoring. They kind of, I'd say they they got it. I don't think they got it in the best way. They could have used a lot more and they sent Garrett Cooper out, I believe to the Padres um, yep. to make addition for those players. The Marlins added David Robertson. So they, they did make some moves though. The Braves added Brad hand, um, which bolsters their bullpen up, gives them another lefty arm option. And then the Phillies, they added Michael Lorenzen, who is probably, I'd say the fifth or sixth best arm on the market. Uh, but he was an intriguing one and he went over to the Phillies um, from the Tigers, it was just. A, I felt like there's a whole lot more action in the days before the deadline than deadline day itself. Yeah, I mean, if you so if we look at it from division to division, no one in the NL East uh, 
I was going to say, no one Ellie sold, but they, the Nationals the sent sold. Candelario. The Mets oh, sold. Of course, the Mets sold. So they, they blew it up. No one in the Central blew it up. Mm-mm. No one in the West blew it up. Yeah, the Rockies didn't even blow it up in their last place. The Diamondbacks added a couple things here and there, but they got rid of Chafin and sent him to the Brewers. So they kind of they added a closer, but they got rid of one of their back end arms in the bullpen with Chafin. Diamondbacks were a weird, weird team too. They kind of sold and bought at the same time. Yeah, they they got Paul Seawald from the Mariners, which was a head scratcher for the Mariners. You're going to trade your closer away, but I but guess they're so compete. confident in Munoz that they got. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they were thinking, like, hey, we can a chance to get a couple of prospects here for Seawald. And uh, I think they got three players back. Um, so, Major League ready guys, too. Yeah. yeah. So they still added to their team. But maybe that's a, a sign for, hey, we can go for this next year um, kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, very interesting. And then in the AL West, really, even Oakland didn't sell because they didn't have a ton to sell. They only sent two players away. Uh, AL Central, the White Sox were pretty much the only team that sold. The Guardians did get rid of a couple of players and add a couple here and there. Um, but even the Royals, they only got rid of Barlow and Yarbrough, and that was about it. But there was not a ton of talent out there to be had because there was only right. five or six teams that really were selling. Just so tell- who, who, from a pitching side, who was the the winner, the best team that won? And the hitting side. Uh, if I'm going to say the best team that won when it comes to the pitching side, I'm probably going to go with the Astros. They've got the best yeah. pitcher on the market with Justin Verlander, whether he's 39 or not. He had the best statistics in the month of July. He's had a good season, even though it started slow because he was hurt to start the season. I think he's had a three ERA for most of the year. He's going to a team now that he's comfortable with. He knows the system. Maybe they increase the spin rates, as you've mentioned a couple of times. But uh, I think do you like that move better overall for them, or do you like Candy to the Cubs better overall for the Cubs? I think can you not really compare? I I can't compare because I think the Astros are more of a complete team. So I think it probably makes them better because they they didn't need to add on offense. They've got McCormick. They've got Jordan. They've got. Altuve, they've got Tyler Kylo Tucker, who is uh as we talked about last week, most underrated player in the league. Alex Bregman. That 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 offense you didn't need to add to. And I I guess the only thing that they were worried about was starting pitching and maybe relieving, but relieving's always hit or miss. And if you can add a an ace, he's a bona fide ace. He's proven it. You've said what? He won two Cy Youngs in the last four years in that city. Yep. Um I'd, I'd say that's probably the best move of the deadline, even more so than Max Scherzer, because Max hasn't been as great, and his, I believe his velocity's been down here as of late as well. So that could be a sign of him either starting to just deteriorate or something's wrong there. I'm Back. actually concerned for the Rangers. Um, I do think that they they haven't played as well as of late, even though that they crushed the White Sox tonight. They just haven't been as consistent as they were earlier in the season. And the Astros, we used the word crescendo earlier in the episode when it came to the bourbon part, but I'd say that the the Astros are kind of hitting their crescendo, right? They started off slow. They got a little bit better and better, and now they're, I'd say, really starting to increase in their... They're about to go in for a run. Yeah. As far as the offensive side, well, who, who would you say? I'll reverse the question to you. Overall, Verlander, I think... Yeah. 
Houston Astros needed a pitcher. They got the best one um, from the hitting side of things. It was, Can- it was Candelario. Like you said, he was the best bat in the market. Um, the Cubs had the be- Well, I wouldn't say Candelario was the best bat in the market because that was Cody Bellinger. Right. The moment he came off the market, Candy became that. So really, the Cubs had the best two bats at the deadline. <laughs> yeah. They got the two best guys on the market. Um, and I, I think the fact that the Cubs won on that long streak, what they win? Eight in a row? Longest since Eight 2016. Uh, culminating with the uh, the Mike Tuckman walk-off home run robbery and the Ian Hat. That's something we got to talk about, the Ian Hat miles Michaelis thing. Um, we're both Cubs fans, so I'd say we're biased. But still, I, I think that that's just kind of bullcrap move by Miles Michaelis. Yeah, I mean, why, why would you think that the guy did on purpose? He's had the same swing since he came up. Wilson Contreras is known, I think, for getting hit a little bit, for catches interference, mm-hmm. for trying to get up into into the ball, on top of the plate a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see you hug afterwards, and then what does Michaelis do? Well, that's another thing. If you're going to throw at a guy, hit him the first time. He missed him. He th- and he went high and tight. It wasn't like he hit him in the back the first time. First time was near his shoulder and his head, which is dangerous. Right. Even if it's 94 miles per hour, you just saw what happened to Taylor Ward uh, from a 92-mile-per-hour fastball from Alec Manoa. Uh, it was awful, and thoughts and prayers out to Taylor, who's out probably for the rest of the season. Uh, he's got facial fractures. He's going to be out for a while, and that's a huge blow to the Angels as well. But if you're Miles Michaelis, hit him the first time. Okay, you didn't move on. You had your shot. How'd you not hit him? One, one. Why did you, like you said? Why did you go high and tight? Right. Obviously, you were a little scared to get too high and tight because you missed. Right. Hit him in. Hit him in the back. Hit him in the butt. Be done. And that's what he did and the second time. You couldn't time. even do that. But you couldn't even you, do that. He's a pitcher. You prove <laughs> intent. You prove intent by going there a second time. So don't say it got away from you. Two straight right. pitches. There's no chance. I mean, that's what pitchers do. You get you you go high and tight to guy back guys off the plate, send a message. Send that's a exactly message. what right. you know. You don't have to hit them. Sure. Hey, don't do that again. If now if Ian was very well known as hitting catchers on a backswing, that's one thing. But I don't recall ever seeing him do it before and if he has it was it was not purposeful they hugged after the damn thing like why come on. why did that cause retaliation something like that it wasn't like he pleaded the pleaded the guy sliding in a second something more blatant yeah blatant and dirty yeah it's childish to be honest it's childish like come on grow up we're in this day and age where these two are friends. They hugged it out. That just rounds out the Cardinal season. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. They, it, yeah. Ugh, don't get me started on that. But get me started on the Cubs because this team is rolling two games in a row. Let's go. 20 runs on Tuesday. They just went and put out 16 runs Wednesday. That's 36 runs in two games. The highest total for back-to-back games since 1900. Hundred and twenty back like that, yeah. Against a great offensive team, yeah. The Reds and the Reds had a five-two lead over the Cubs in the game overnight tonight. Uh, this is their Cubs' eighteenth time that they've scored ten plus runs or more. They're one team ahead of them who's done it more, and that's the Texas Rangers. The Cubs have the best 
run differential in the NL Central. They have the most runs scored in the NL Central. They have given up the second least amount of runs in the NL Central. Now they have, again, they're only two games above 500, but they just beat a Reds team who was in first place back-to-back nights after the Reds beat them on Monday, and they almost beat them. Uh, the Cubs almost came back in that game in 6-5. to five. Cubs are playing much better as of late. I think that this team is scary, especially now you added Candelario. Now, Stroman just went on the IL today, and I think that was more so of a mental thing than the hip thing. He went on the IL for a hip inflammation, um, which I think might just be a go-get-right kind of thing. Go get yourself, get your head right. What was the corresponding move? Uh, I haven't looked at the corresponding move, but uh, I do. Oh, it was uh, Ruiz or Ruas, the guy that they got from the uh, the the Royals. Oh, okay. So he came up. So I'm sure that they'll do something with a starting pitcher. Maybe Javier Assad comes and starts in Stroman's spot or something this weekend because he's already on the active roster. Or Hayden, Hayden Wesneski probably because he didn't pitch tonight, did he? Um, Wesneski did pitch tonight. He did. Okay, so then maybe yes. the Cubs go with another bullpen day. Um, for Stroman's spot. But the Cubs are rolling. They Seven home runs yesterday. That tied a franchise record for the most ever going back into the 1970s. Dansby Swanson's hitting them out. Cody Bellinger's been the best. He was just one offensive player of the month in July. Uh, the Cubs are rolling. The Cubs are the third best team in the NL right now when it comes to run score, run differential. And they're playing better than a lot of the other teams. That's, that's another thing. Who in the NL, other than the Braves, scares you? The Dodgers don't. Right. I don't know how the Dodgers are rolling like they are. Um, the Dodgers don't scare me. The Padres don't scare me. The Giants don't scare me. The Diamondbacks are just like the Reds. No pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Cubs could be two games out of first place if they win tomorrow. Yeah. And the starting matchup, uh, the pitching probables, is Luke Weaver versus Jameson Tyone. And Tyone has had like a 1.45 ERA over the last month or so month of july mm-hmm. yeah so um if they win that game luke weaver i believe had like an 8.8 era in his like previous 11 starts until last week uh so the cubs have the upper hand on that that could be a huge game that would mean the cubs are two back uh three games above 500 that would be tonight as this podcast drops on thursday august the third um we haven't gone too much into depth in the cubs like this and i love it <laughs> oh yeah i i'm uh, Kate Horton, we can get even deeper. Kate Horton, Ben Brown is that now at Double A. He's he mm-hmm. had a great debut tonight. Ben Brown is still doing well. Jordan Hicks at Triple A. Cubs, the Cubs have some weapons if they needed to. You mean Jordan Wicks? What did I, I said Jordan Hicks, didn't I? Yeah, he's a pitcher for the Blue Jays. It's okay. Jordan Wicks is Jordan Wicks is better. Uh, so Jordan Wicks, <laughs> that could be a sneaky couple of weeks from here. He calls up, gets left-handed experience out of the bullpen. Yep. So that would be a name to watch for the Cubs. we talked about that on Instagram Live. Yeah. So uh, the Cubs are rolling. Another team we talked about earlier as well. This is kind of Houston Astros episode along with the Cubs. Framber Valdez last night throws a no-hitter. It's the first time by a left-hander in that organization. Um, we gave out Framber Valdez as the potential Cy Young a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago. And Outside of a blip he had the other night versus the Rangers, dude has dude has been one of the best pitchers in the AL this year. Yeah, Framber uh, had twenty four straight quality starts last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that's what you that's what you, all you can ask for of a pitcher is a quality start and puts the team in a position straight. to win. Yeah, puts the team yeah. in a position to win. And how how much of a shot in the arm is it? You get Justin Verlander, and then that same day, your ace at the time, Framber, goes out and throws a freaking no hitter. Yeah, that's that has to kind of relieve a little bit of Justin Verlander and not have the pressure to come in and try have to be right. that guy. Framber's like, welcome, Justin. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so Framber has the eighth best ERA in baseball um, coming into play tonight. Uh, number two, uh, number one is Blake Snell still at 250. Uh, Fangrass hasn't updated it, but Justin Steele, I believe, is second or third after last night's start. He's got a 303 on Fangrass, but there was a stat correction to his statistics because of an error by Nico Horner versus the Red Sox, which changed five earned runs to five unearned runs. So at one point yesterday, he had a 244 ERA, which was best in baseball. Um, Framber comes out, throws a no-hitter. This team, we've already said it, they're about to get rolling. So, yeah, the Astros are rolling. But another team in that division um, made that made a lot of moves, the Angels. Um, it's kind of being, you know, we were kind of on home run watch for Otani as he was mm-hmm. on Judge's same pace. And it's kind of been quiet ever since that incident where Otani hit a home run off the Blue Jays. Yeah. You see Matt Chapman in the dugout. Why are we pitching to him? And I don't think he had another hit the rest of that series. Yeah, well, they pitched around him. Uh, I believe they hit him with a pitch at one point, too. I think, not on purpose, but Alec Manoa, I believe, hit him with a pitch on Saturday as well. Uh, He's at 39 home runs. He did hit three since our last episode. Uh, On Thursday, he had the the game Otani had on Thursday. The day he had. He throws a complete game shutout, the first of his career, in game one of a doubleheader, and then comes out and hits two home runs in his first two at-bats in game two before getting pulled because of cramps because it was freaking out his day of the year. He pitched nine innings and then still played the second game? Yes, and hit two home runs in his first two at-bats. How ridiculous is that? That's ridiculous how he wasn't sent to ice his arm. I Mm -hmm. mean, the Angels going for it that hard and they... Don't care about Otani's like perfect yeah. health. They just want to milk the last little bit they got out of him. Well, he's all they got right now. Um, so he's got 39 home ridiculous. runs. But don't look now. Matt Olson's up to 36. Hot on the top. 37. 37. Did he hit one tonight? So it must have been another uh-huh. one tonight. So that is the most in the NL. Uh, he's got more than 90 RBIs then, which was leading the league coming into tonight with 90. Adelise Garcia was at 85. Um, Matt Olson, he has more home runs, I believe, since 2018 than anybody else in MLB baseball. Yeah, with when he was with the Oakland Athletics, mm-hmm. um, he was always batting, you know, 190, maybe 200, but hit home runs. And now he's kind of figured, figuring it out, it looks like, to be able to do more than that. Yeah, since 2018, um, so this makes it the sixth season, Matt Olson's 189 home runs are more than anybody else in Major League Baseball. Second is Aaron Judge at 184, Kyle Schwarber at 180, Pete Alonso at 177, and A. Eugenio Suarez at 175. So, insane stuff from Matt Olson, uh, who has been a huge addition for the Braves in the last two years and uh, continues to help carry that team along with Austin Riley, because Acuna has been pretty silent here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I guess he's a little nervous about his brother being in the same division, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
But Austin Riley, uh, right there about the same, 276 average, 25 home runs, which is tied for 13th in the league, uh, 66 RBIs. Matt, Austin Riley's going to get hot. He yeah. he's I think he's a second-half guy as the Braves um, get closer to the playoffs. Uh, right now, Austin Riley is projected to be at 38 home runs, 100 RBIs. Yeah. Um, can you ask for more than that at your third baseman? That's no. That's what you want. Talked about it earlier this week in our Power Rankings episode that they have five players on their team now with 20-plus home runs, which is ridiculous. They've got 200-plus home runs on the season. Um, probably going to break the record set by the Twins a few years ago, which was 307. The Braves are the only team that scares me, but here's the thing. You get into a playoff series, all it takes is one or two bad starts from a starting pitcher, and you never know. Right? Look at the Braves last year. They were the juggernaut. We thought we thought they were going to go in the World Series, and they lost to the Phillies in their first round of the season, uh, postseason. Yeah. And I think they lost all three games, didn't they? I think, I, yeah, I I think this offense is better than last year's offense. Right, but all it takes is one hot starter to shut them down in one or two games, and you never know. So before we head on to the end of the episode, I did want to talk about some uh, playoff percentages to make the playoffs. Um, the Rays are the higher make the percentage. Uh, the Rays are the higher percentage to make the playoffs right now via Fangraphs at 96.8. The only team that's higher than them right now is the Braves. Uh, the Dodgers are at 96.5. Um, but postseason odds, the Cubs, where do you think they're still the third most percentage behind the Reds and the Brewers? But the Brewers at 66.1% to make the playoffs. The Reds are only 35.8, and the Cubs at 32.9. Um, I, I think we I, – I predicted that the Cubs would make it via wild card. Early I think the division – Yes, I think, and you predicted that the Cubs would take the division. And I'm right there with you now. I think the Cubs is their division to come come and take mm-hmm. and their division to lose. Um, the Reds, unless they get their pitching back quickly, the Cubs could take a run like that they're on right now. Mm-hmm. And, and... This weekend's going to tell the tale for the Cubs because they play the Braves in Chicago. But it's in Chicago at Wrigley Field. The Braves have not been playing the best of baseball since the start of the second half the cubs have been the best team in the second half i think they're 10 and 5 since the uh, start of um since the end of the all-star break it's going to be an interesting stretch here for the cubs and also the brewers the brewers added a little bit they added mark canna as well as um as you mentioned earlier uh, carlos santana but they didn't go all out i think they had the best pitching in the division but their offense still seems to be something that kind of lacks in my mind Who's that? The Braves? The Brewers. The Brewers. Oh, they've got Corbin Burns, who looks like Corbin Burns. And that's they've, Brandon, Brandon Woodruff's coming back. Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta's not Freddie Peralta that he used to be. But still, I'd take the Brewers' rotation right now over anybody else in the division. Uh, over the Cubs as well? Uh, especially with how Stroman's been struggling and Drew Smiley. So the Cubs have three starters right now, and Tyone is that third one, really. So you've got Justin Steele, Kyle Hendricks, and then Tyone. And can you trust Tyone at this point? I don't know. Do you, if you take Steele and Burns out of it, do you still like the Brewers? Yeah, because take, I'd take Brandon take Woodruff over out. Kyle Hendricks right now, too, even though he's been hurt. Yeah. 
and Freddie Peralta. It's, it's, I think it's yeah. close. I it's, think close. it's close. But it's yeah. close. I think the Cubs have the better roster now that they've added Candelario. And as I mentioned, they play the Braves this weekend, and then they play the Mets, who just sold off everybody. They go to Toronto, and then they have two versus the White Sox, three versus the Royals, three versus Detroit, and then four versus the Pirates to close out the month of August. Oh so the next three weeks are really going to determine, I think, where the Cubs are sitting because then they end the month of August versus the Brewers in Chicago before, I think, a pretty, I would say, a brutal-ish month of September. Uh, they play the Reds, the Giants, the D-backs twice. Uh, we'll see what the D-backs are because they've really started to slide um, as of recent uh, play. They've not played well at all. They had the second least amount of runs in the month of July. Um, so would the, the uh, Tampa Rays as well. It's going to be a very fun race, I'd say, the NL East, I don't believe in the Marlins, but the Phillies, I think, are better with Mark Michael Lewent, Michael Lorenzen. Mm-hmm. And then in the NL West, I mean, the Padres, that's a scary team. That rotation, I think, might be one of the best ones out there, if healthy. You got Snell, who's right. been the best. You got Darvish, Musgrove. And then uh, they didn't add an arm, did they? Uh, Rich Hill. They they add Rich Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a f- fifth starter, but he's he's going to help. I think he makes the rotation deeper. And if Waka comes he'd, back, he he he'd be a great. He's a great guy to have two starters go. Like that, he comes with Smiley Wisniewski, mm-hmm. uh, Rich Hill. Just go, let him go four innings, kind of thing. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Piggyback kind of start. Yeah, so the Padres actually have the third highest playoff percentage in the NL West behind the Dodgers, but the Giants are at 66.3. The Giants are a sneaky team, um, I'd say, so far. And right now, the Astros and the Rangers both at 89 and 81.7% to make the playoffs. The Astros right now favored to win the division at 60% to the Rangers 35.5. And the AL Central, right now... It's trash, but I'd say that's the Twins at this point, and they really didn't do anything either. Nobody in the, in the AL Central added. And the Twins are skidding, I think, right now. I, th- I, th- I think they've lost. Uh, I don't, I had they were 55 and 53 coming into play today. The only team in the division at that point to have a, a record above. Um, they're, they've one game losing streak. They're four and six in their last 10. Um, yeah. But so who, who who's going for in the division? It's the Twins. I mean, that's they're they've got a two game lead over the Guardians. The the Tigers are six and a half back still. The White Sox and the Royals are done. Um, I'd love to see Detroit come back and win that. It division. would be fun. It would be fun. They're just twelve games under five hundred though. They're forty eight yeah, and six 60. and a half out. Only six and a half out, but they're going to have to make it to 500, I think, to even have a shot. And that that means you've got to go 15 and freaking three over the next 18 games. And okay, you Yeah. It's going to be difficult. Um, a difficult road for anybody other than the, the Twins or the Guardians. The Guardians could do it. They've got the pitching, as you mentioned, but they're on a skid. They're, they've lost three in a row. Um so they must have lost again tonight to the Houston Astros. Uh, yep, because the Astros are on a three-game winning streak. A half game back <laughs> in that division. I think the AL West, I, I mentioned it a couple times, I think that that's the most interesting division at this point because you have four teams that could potentially be going for it. The Mariners are 56-52. and 52, The Angels are 56-53. and 53. 
There are four game, four teams above 500 in that division. The AL East is the only better division, but there's two teams that we mentioned who didn't really do anything to make their teams better. I think I think Boston will do better. Um, I don't think the Yankees will. I think the Yankees are in last place, and they're going to stay there. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. So with that, we uh, are moving on to our power rankings portion of the episode. And our power rankings are now brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. Head on over to 10thwhiskey.com. Use promo code BNB for 10% off your order. That's 10% off of anything. And if you go on their website, they've got a ton of cool stuff. Michael, you were present on last night. I was. I was adding stuff. I was almost Christmas shopping already <laughs> here in 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 July slash August. Uh, they've got hats. They've got glassware. They've got coffee mugs. They sell barrels. They've got, they, they've got barrels that you can buy new barrels to, if you wanted to blend and age your own whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, your own. You could you know buy buy. It's a fun idea to buy a barrel and yeah. do your own blending, just like Barrelcraft Spirits does. Buy. Yeah. So I have a blend. It's Maker's Mark and Larceny. You know, poor, poor, poor man's pappy. Yeah, and you could do that, and you can buy that. But apparel, glassware, or the whiskey. If you want to wait, uh, save some money on whiskey, go to 10thwhiskey.com. Use BNB as your promo code for 10% off your order. So power rankings, Michael Burns. Um, we had a shakeup. And again, you can only find our power rankings, the full episodes, on our YouTube channel. So head on over to at Barrels and Barrels Pod on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button uh, for a full breakdown. We're just going to list our 10th through our 4th teams on the list in this week's update. And uh, you can find the rest in our power rankings episode. So Michael Burns, who do you have this week as your number 10 team? Number 10, I have the Miami Marlins moving into my top 10, moving up three spots. And go go through uh, 10 through 4 for you. 10 through 4? All right, so at 9, I've got the Boston Red Sox moving up. At 8, the Cincinnati Reds. 7, the LA Dodgers all the way down at 7. 6, the Houston Astros. 5, the Toronto Blue Jays. And 4, the Texas Rangers. And my 10th team, the Boston Red Sox make an appearance, jumping up four spots. The Philadelphia Phillies in nine, Cincinnati Reds in eight, Texas Rangers in seventh, Toronto Blue Jays in sixth, Houston Astros in fifth, and the L.A. Dodgers are in fourth. Of course, this is coming from our July 31st, Week 18 Power Rankings episode. Again, you can go find that on our YouTube page, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and use promo code BNB at 10thwhiskey.com for 10% off your order. So this was our trade deadline reaction episode. A big thank you again to Barrel Craft Spirits for sending us Barrel Bourbon Batch 35. Michael Burns, an interesting couple of months. We're two months till the end of the season. We're past the trade deadline. Uh, all the major news on that. Now it's just time to play some baseball and make some moves. Yep, it's time to wait for Jackson Holiday to make his major league debut. <laughs> and um, uh, I wonder if there's a couple other teams that are going to try to bring up a couple of other prospects. I think the Cubs might be a, a decent sneaky. Maybe bring up a Ben Brown or a, a Jordan Wicks. Ben Brown hit the IL today. Oh, Something well, minor, but... Um, well, never mind. I, I, but it's a minor physical issue, but just a terrible timed issue. Oh, for sure. Um, but a, a lot of fun stuff going on in the Chicago Cubs world. Um, the Cincinnati yes. Reds, I think if you're a fan of the Reds, you need to be concerned about not making a move outside of a left-handed pitcher uh, in the bullpen who had a 4-4-5 ERA coming into the time when he made the move, Sam Mull. So uh, I, they're looking at two starters coming back here at the end of the month of August, but at, I just listed the Cubs 
schedule. It's a soft schedule. It's an exciting time for, for me and you specifically. One, <laughs> being Cubs fan, especially for you now living in Cincinnati and yeah. having co-workers and, and friends around that are Reds fans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun time. Uh, definitely. So go head on over. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Instagram at Barrels and Barrels Pod as well as Facebook. Twitter is at Barrels and Barrels. I guess I can't say Twitter anymore. On X, we're at Barrels and Barrels. And then TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod. If you want to send us an email, head on over to Gmail. Or, well, I mean, you can email us from wherever. Barrels and Barrels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio podcasts. If you do listen to us, we'd love to hear what your actual thoughts are of the podcast please we want to hear it we want to hear what you think uh what you wish we could change what maybe you love that we do uh if you like our rating system or if you don't like uh that we talk too much cubs this is this is probably our heaviest cubs episode i'd say but i think it's the most excited i've been about the cubs and i think that they made a move that bolsters their lineup and puts them in a position to get into the dance and if you get into the dance all you have to do you have a chance you've got a chance so, episode 36, the Gaylord cool. Perry episode. Michael Burns, any final thoughts or anything else you want to talk about? No, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm just got two words for us. Let's go.